What's up, everybody? This is Toby, and you're listening to the Diverse Podcast, where I sit down with candidates, employers, and entrepreneurs to share their stories and best advice. I'm the founder of Diverse, which is a careers platform supporting underrepresented young professionals and helping them find roles with inclusive employers. Head over to wearediverse.io for the latest opportunities and free resources. Subscribe to us on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts, and find us on YouTube at We Are Diverse as well. Hope you enjoy this episode. So, Tim, thanks so much for joining me. No really problem. do appreciate it. How are you doing? How is everything going? Yeah, so far so good. Just about to finish uni and things, so I'm just trying to crack on my deadlines and all sorts. So it's, it's all right. It's, it's been a bit of a tumultuous year, but I made it, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely can't complain because you've got some some good roles that you've landed. <laughs> so super impressed by you, Tim. So tell me first, but, give me a bit of background, like you know where you're from, what degree you've done, um, and yeah, which roles you've landed as well. So um, I'm from the Midlands originally, so I'm from Wolverhampton, but I went to a boarding school in Shropshire uh, for six years, six, seven years. Um, from there, I'm currently studying a business management degree at the University of Leicester. And post-uni, I'll be progressing into a summer internship at Caledonium Investments and then started my kind of career at IHS Market in client services. So that's a little bit of a brief little summary about me, basically. Um, I did a year in industry at Centrica as well, working at a British gas business, which I did last year. So I've just finished that now and I'm in my third year of university at the moment. Amazing. And it's small world, right? Because we're kind of from the same <laughs> same area. Same so area, yeah. Funny, you know? <laughs> You know my sister and some other people from back home so very small world i'm glad that we're doing good things from uh from shops here in the west midlands and that's pretty cool um so yeah let's let's jump right into it then no i mean what, what i'd love to hear is like your story on how you've got each of these roles um and any advice that you kind of any learnings that you picked up along the way so you know let's start with caledonian investments then so you know, roughly when did you apply for the internship? What made you wanted to do a summer internship? And yeah, how did that process go, I guess? Yeah, so um, post finishing my year in industry, um, I was looking to probably get into a, a role in finance and in, in London especially, but especially in finance on the client side of things. Um, I just finished working in energy and utilities. And even though it was really fun and interesting industry to be a part of, it wasn't really what I wanted to do post uni. Um, so third year now comes and Obviously, once I finished my year in entry, I was also applying for summer internships and I was almost finished in the application process for two. Unfortunately, that's kind of when COVID kind of went into the heat of things. And from there, unfortunately, a few of the schemes that I was you know, finishing the applications for, unfortunately, closed and were no longer able to host the schemes. Um, and therefore, I wasn't going to directly transition into my ideal industry. Um, so come third year now, I'm applying for, you know, graduate schemes. And I thought, you know what? let's not restrict my search and also apply for a few summer schemes as well. Normally summer schemes are only for second year students, so only a few of them are really available for recent grads or newly grads that, uh, this year. So I saw the 100 Black Internship Programme. Actually, it was my brother that referred it to me actually in LinkedIn, so he sent me the link for it. And then I started researching the scheme and then I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of give myself that financial background before I may progress into a financial role in the future. So I saw the scheme, I read through it. And then I applied and then um, from there it was two interviews um, for the scheme and then once I finished interviews I was then given an offer uh, for Caledonia Investments so right. yeah I'm very excited to, to join them in um, June. 
Amazing, amazing. And congrats for that. That sounds like terrific. <laughs> Great company to work for. That's really cool. Um, but how, how did you feel then after your uh, your other schemes had closed then due to COVID? Like, what was your what was your like immediate reaction? Like, how were you? How did you react from that? Did you was it straight on to the next one, or did you dwell on it for a bit? How how did that go? Yeah. So um, I, this wasn't like at the very beginning of the process. This was towards the end. So it was around the final stage interview times where I was currently at the moment. So wow. it was actually the day before my interview when I find when I found out. The day before yeah, I put together a few slides and then um, unfortunately on the day of my interview I found out that it would be cancelled, which at first it was a bit disheartening. I mean, you put all the energy into an interview and you're really excited to kind of showcase what you can do and your skills and stuff to a company. And um, that scheme is normally a feed into their grad scheme. So my kind of goal was to get some internship and then convert that to a grad scheme to kind of free up my third year, but more sort of focus on uni. So it did kind of set me back um, progression wise, but at the same time, I knew what COVID was doing to a lot of companies and a lot of people were, you know, losing their jobs and things and were becoming redundant and, you know, there were a whole lot of economic factors that were going in on the, in the economy at the moment. So I just thought, you know what, it's disheartening, yes, but I've made some good connections and I've saved all the people's emails who were relevant at the time. So let me send them my, the presentation that I'd made uh, prior just so they can have a look at it anyway, even if I can't present it. And then if I can keep those connections alive at least, um, then the following year I may be able to ask if there's any opportunity to be fast-tracked or anything like that. So I'll try to make the best of a bad situation. Like I said, it was disheartening, but I like to call it the we move generation because you can't really stay in the slumps for too long. So you just got to we, you know, we move and just figure out what's the best way to make the best out of that situation. So yeah, yeah I love that. Bad, I love that phrase. Time. Yeah, you've got to keep moving forward. And I like what you did there in terms of networking. I feel like people, sometimes we do miss this. Like, you know, they say 80% of, of jobs that are, are filled are never posted um, available online for everyone else. And I think that's a bit more skewed to more senior roles, but it just does, does go to show that if you build up a good connection with people in a company, exactly. they can refer you for roles down the line and that's, that's you know, actually, help you. That's actually what happened. <laughs> that's actually what happened. Oh, right. So, okay. Um, not with my current role that I'm progressing in now, but one of the roles I was applying for, since I was able to keep that connection there and keep the conversation and the relationship active, um, I was actually referred um, to kind of be fast-tracked post the first initial phase anyway to the final stage. Um, so it, it does actually work and it does benefit you to keep those relationships there and to touch base kind of, not all the time, but maybe every few months just to catch up because at the end of the day, they're people, you know, they probably didn't want to do it themselves. It was just a, a byproduct of the situation. So, you know... Everyone's got a conscience, everyone's got a heart in some way, shape or form. So they were more than happy to kind of reach out and help out when they could. So how were you doing that then? Were you just sort of dropping them a message on LinkedIn every now and again? Just yeah, sort of I mean, asking about the company or what were yeah, you Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a very face-to-face -face kind of guy. So um, I like to talk to people directly, um, just a preference of mine. So I'd always ask, you know, if they were free, if they could have like a Zoom call or a phone call or something along those lines. Because like I said, people are busy, um, so you have to be considerate to people's time schedules and stuff as well. But even if it's just like an email, you know, every little helps. Um, end of the day, the worst thing that can happen is they'll just not reply. <laughs> so yeah. why not? <laughs> why not just send them like a little friendly email to see how they're doing? Because you know, everyone likes a little bit of a not a distraction, but something to take their mind off the day to day. And having an, an ambitious, you know, curious student apply is a very good, you know, it's a very good thing to have. So. Send them a little in email, you know, asking for a one-to-one -one or you know, a Zoom call can go a long way. Yeah, no, it's it's great advice, and I really hope that people take it on board because I think it can be super powerful. Um, 
Yeah, before we kind of get into maybe your interviews at Caledonia and then we can go into your, your grad scheme as well. You, you come across as very confident, like I thought <laughs> that the first time that we spoke. Yeah. And I think that this year especially has been quite damaging and people are faced with rejection and it's difficult to kind of take that on, move on to the next one and, and kind yeah. of keep moving forward. So I would love to know, um, and you also need to be confident to get these roles, right? To present your best self in mm. the interview. So like, have you always been very confident or, or what, what gives you your confidence to kind of go in and, and get these I mean, tough roles, do you think? I've always been like around people and you know, I've got three older siblings. I went to a boarding school. I've always been around people. So I don't really get shy when talking to people because I've been doing it for so long. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, you know, I'm always an, I'm an optimist when, with regards to these type of things. You know, you never really know what could happen um, with regards to my year in industry. I was able to get that, but before I was able to secure that, I'd been faced with, you know, so many rejections and I was at the point where I was in March with no contract. So the reason I was able to get my placement was because I was literally just on my university emails and I saw the link um, for that actual, the actual role because it's based outside of Leicester. And because of that email, I was able to get a placement year. So I don't like to see everything as a negative. Um, and I, when I did sign the contract for my placement year, I was... At that point, you know, in the interview, they just got other companies as well, but I chose this one just because of the opportunity for a year out of industry and a bit of extra money here and there as well. And just the experience of being there for a year was something that I didn't really consider. I was, you know, my preference was for summer internships at the time. Um, but I just thought, you know what, a year out of uni, I can really get stuck into a business, I can learn about the different departments, I can network really well. And then from there, it kind of took off a bit. You know, even though my, my LinkedIn is quote unquote good, it doesn't show the full story. Um, I've probably had over 120 plus rejections so far. <laughs> probably you know, loads, like, you know, is it the typical cliche student story, but being persistent really helps. And I'm also, I'm a competitive guy. I don't like to lose. So very rejection that I do get. I tend, I you know, apply for two more than I carry on with my day. So having that kind of competitive and patient mindset and that persistence really does help, um, I think. So you know and i believe I in myself like <laughs> do you know what i mean i mean yeah, i've, I've yeah. got an excuse um especially on you know, on linkedin you see other people who look like you doing great things so that kind of inspires you to carry on um so that's kind of why i'm confident because if you're not confident in yourself then what does that say to the people interviewing you if that makes sense so yeah and i like how um how you've been so honest you know about getting the rejections i think sometimes <laughs> when you just see someone post on linkedin that they got a job you it becomes a little bit like an Instagram, you know, where it's just, yeah. but, you know, you have to go through some difficult moments to get there. And I love how you, you've taken it on as like a competitive streak because you definitely, and you can carry that with you now, you know, those companies that did uh, reject you, they're going to feel like they made a mistake, you know, when you go on to do some really cool stuff. So let, let's get into even more advice then. So, you know, let's start with Caledonian Investments um, interview then, like take us to the interview how did you prepare well for that? Mm -hmm. Do you do extra research or um, what kind of really put you over the edge there in the interview, do you think? I mean, when it comes to how I prep, I'm a, I'm a very disciplined guy when it comes to my interview prep because I've had so many that I've turned into like an art form. I know kind of what to do and where to look. Um, I spend a good week just learning, like a week before I actually start making that, the slides and preparing, just learning what the company, learning what their products, learning what their services. And then I'll... You need to show that you've got industry knowledge to some extent, at least enough to hold a conversation. 
So at that point, I'm looking around the market, seeing what's happening. You know, a big part of my interview was talking about renewable energy and the shift to you know green green vehicles and electric vehicles. Um, I knew the different arms of the company and I knew who I'd be interviewing with. So I did my prep as well to see what departments I were in and I was like you know, drafting questions to ask them at the very end. You know, I knew my CV inside and out and you know, the star tech tactics and everything along those lines as well. So I, knew, I know how to answer questions at the time. Um, it's all about just being prepared, you know, You've, when you have so many interviews, you tend to notice a trend of what they ask and when they ask it. So being able to, you know, preemptively prepare for that, um, make your scripts, make your draft and just learn it. And then just, I wouldn't say memorize it off by heart, but memorize the points. So in case you forget a word, it doesn't ruin your entire interview. So being able to talk around a topic does really help because it's, you know, most of the topics you're talking about are interesting. You know, I had a good conversation about electric vehicles and Elon Musk with my interviewer. And when it can turn an interview into a conversation, that's when you know it's a good interview. When it doesn't feel like it's an interview and it's a friendly talk. So that's probably my biggest you know, tip. Make sure you, you know enough to have a conversation and make sure genuine interest. Um, you know, I'd, before I heard about them, I, didn't, I had no idea who Caledonia were. So you have to know that you know where you're joining and you know what they do. Um, so my biggest tips were to, I'd say, learn about the company, know what they do, know how much them, maybe not everything, don't be an injury expert because you're, you're still young, but know enough to show that you want to learn more um, and be able to narrate your own skill sets and your own attributes to the company's values as well. That's a really good point um, to show that you're a cultural fit and just be yourself, I guess, you know, obviously learn the company, learn the products, learn and make sure you know about the market because they might ask you some crazy questions that you need to know the answer to. Like they asked me, so we've got a private equity arm, which company should we invest in and why? And knowing about the EV market, and I know, I know a company called Poppoint, which is a private um, installer of electric vehicle charging points, both commercial and domestic. I'll talk about that and relate that to the industry right now and the growing trend for electric vehicles. So knowing about a topic area, be able to discuss it enough to hold a conversation, not to be an industry expert. An industry expert there really helps. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, and by the sounds of it, you picked a niche that you genuinely are interested in and care about. So mm -hmm. it probably came across as very authentic. Like if you're already interested in electric exactly. vehicles and renewable energy, then when you do talk about it, you're going to show your enthusiasm yeah. and passion. Exactly. Yeah, so that, that sounds really good. And and then also on LinkedIn, so it sounds like you also looked at the projects that they're working on, right? And the type yeah. of things they do, so you could ask them about it, yeah? Yeah. That's real smart, yeah. Yeah, that's really and good. I, Lots of prep there. I like it. <laughs> and they, they want, and to your point as well, the interview questions are really just a guide for the interviewer. It's yeah. supposed to be a back and forth conversation, you know? They're not going to be uh, excited by the experience of just listing up a load of questions. You want to have a conversation and ask about their role and their their exactly. experience with the company because everyone's got an ego as well. Everyone loves talking yeah. about what they do. So exactly, yeah, like, at the end of the day, it's, it's it's competitive. You know, you're against other people, and I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Um, you know, you're up against you know how many other applicants to get to that point. So you might as well be thorough when it comes to it. Be able to preemptively answer questions before they're asked. And like I said, you have to show personality. Do you know what I mean, I'm quite an interpersonal guy. I can talk to people, I think, pretty well. Pretty well. So be able to show that side of you. Show that, you know what, even if I sit next to you, you know, you'll have fun sitting next to me because I know what I'm talking about and I can provide work and I'm not, and I'm interpersonal to an extent, really does help as well. So that's what I'd say. I like it. That's really cool, man. Let, let's move on to IH, IHS then. Yeah. Um, 
I guess firstly, yeah, explain for anyone who doesn't know, you know, what do they do? What are they about? Um, yeah, give us a little bit of background and then <laughs> it'd be great to find out how you did the application process as well. Yeah, so IHS is an information service company. So they provide market data and intelligence to governments, multinational companies, and they provide insights as well in different sectors from financial services to automate, auto, auto, automation to electric vehicles to energy. And you know, they provide more than I think more than those um, sectors, but those are just the, the their biggest ones so far. So they provide like insights into those markets, they advise as well, they've got consultancy arms, fintech solutions and more. Um, you know, the similar other, other companies that are similar to them are like Bloomberg, Reuters, Gartner, etc. So they provide in, you know, insights into industries and recommendations and consultancy practices as well to larger companies. And where did you actually see the role or did, did they go to your campus or how did, how yes, did that Yes, funnily enough, um, I actually applied for them the year before, but for their summer internship. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, like I said, COVID ended up staying at home, but I I, said, I kept the company in mind um, and I was always planning to apply for them the following year regardless. What happened was they became a partner firm of SEO London. Mm-hmm. So what they, you know, SEO London, they're a charity that provides networking opportunities, masterclasses, insight days and more to undergraduates, graduates and um, A-level students and more. And they give these you know, students an opportunity to network, to liaise with, to learn from big you know, multinational companies. Um, and what happened was I was reading an article on LinkedIn that said they'd become a partner firm of SEO London. So I just SEO London had into like a partnership where they're going to start marketing their opportunities via SEO London platforms. Um, being a member of SEO at the time, I thought this would be a good opportunity to reapply from a, from a stronger point. Um, so I started attending loads of the IHS market via uh, SEO London Zoom calls. I started networking within the company via these Zoom calls, reaching out. And they're a really, really friendly company. Like, you know, they were more than happy to help out and talk to students. So that was kind of how I got a taste of the company culture. Um, from there, I obviously applied and the first of all these psychometric games, pyometric games, I think they're called, mm-hmm. where they test your content ability by games and from there, a three-stage interview process. So I used to hate those online tests, honestly. <laughs> like, as soon as I got a graduate scheme, I was like, yes, I don't have to do those ever again because I found those so difficult, the psychometric tests, the numerical tests. The numerical tests. How, how did you have any hacks there? <laughs> did you, like, practice on certain platforms or...? When it came to, when it comes to the tests, you realize that certain companies use the same testing software for their for their tests. And like I said, when it comes to revising, I tend to be quite thorough, so I'll research what software X company uses and I'll prep accordingly. When it comes to the games, I'm quite good with games. <laughs> I like games. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. I always um, yeah, I've got a PlayStation at home. I, I like to play games. So when it comes to the games, I prefer those types of games to the standard tests. Um, I find that a bit more enjoyable as well because you know. I mean, it's more engaging. Um, so I you know, played the games and um, I'll probably get to the next stage. And then from there, I started doing a bit more research about the company. I started reaching out on LinkedIn whenever I saw a Zoom call. So um, when it came to the so Zoom... That was before your interview, you were reaching out on Zoom? Yeah. Or was this before the assessment centre or, or both? It was, it was throughout the entire process. Um, these okay. IHS market SEO Zoom calls were happening weekly. Um, and... If, you know, if I saw the problem that I was interested in applying to, I book you know that slot to join that call, um, just to see who was on the call to learn more to ask questions. And if there was any questions I wanted further insight on, I'd then reach out on LinkedIn and schedule a one-to-one. Um, 
and that's kind of how I started building that relationship internally before the actual application deadline came. Um, because like I, said, I was generally interested in joining the company and I wanted to learn more. And through talking to people who worked there, whether it was like an MD or an analyst, they were really friendly and really forthcoming as well. So I started building that relationship as I was going along the process. And then um, when it came to the interview stages, it turned out that one of the people I'd even popped up to was the guy, <laughs> was the guy interviewing me. It was quite a funny coincidence. Um, so I was able to talk to him as well like, a bit more and he was quite happy to see me progressing through the stages. And then when it came to the last day for, for the final stage, that was probably the toughest interview I was going to have throughout the process. But um, I joined another SEO London Zoom call and I was able to meet people who are MDs from other, you know, other countries like, like in the US office as well. And from there, I started networking a bit more, learning a bit more about the role. So when they started asking me questions, I knew what to say. Um, like I said, because like one, I was interested in two, I'd heard about those questions from other people who worked there. So it was nice to kind of combine those two aspects of my strategy towards the interview. And yeah, I was able to secure a role. <laughs> yeah, amazing, man. Yeah, I think the networking is, is a big thing that's standing out for me, really. I mean, I think it just makes you feel comfortable as well. Like you feel more confident when you have a bit of insight into to the organisation yeah. and when you're doing the interviews, if it's a video interview, it feels like, oh yeah, that's Dave who I met already. And I've, you know, chatted to him already on LinkedIn. So it just gives you that little bit more extra comfort. And then so, like you said earlier, we're all just humans at the end of the day. So yeah. if you can build up some rapport and a connection, then I see you in the interview. We're all, we're just both more relaxed and I'm probably going to be rooting for you as well. So yeah, I, I guess we would certainly encourage people to go and network on LinkedIn you know, before your interviews, trying to have these conversations with, uh, did you look for, for um, hiring managers or um, just people in certain roles in the, the team that you wanted to, to go into? A, a bit of both, but not particularly. Like it was, it was people on the Zoom calls um, who I was doing sure. the network with. Um, what happened was, there was, I think it was the second call that I attended, um, I was able to ask a question, but even though it was answered, I wanted to kind of know more about it and get a bit of a deeper insight into the question that I'd asked. So I popped up on LinkedIn and I was asking, you know, if you're free, I would like to discuss this further at your earliest convenience. Um, and he replied. And when I spoke to him, you know, we had a really good conversation. Um, he said he was impressed by my LinkedIn and stuff like that. And that um, just to you know, keep doing what I was doing, keep learning about the company, keep showing that I was actively you know, going above and beyond when it came to researching the company, building a rapport with the people who worked there. And, um, yeah, and as the process kind of progressed, I was able to use them as a point of contact at some points as well. And yeah, I think that was the thing that made me stand out, I think, compared to other applicants that actually showed genuine interest. Um, there are so many companies you can apply to and, and you'll probably send off similar applications per company if you're applying for the same role. So it's good to show that you're above and beyond and you want to take it to the next level when it comes to learning about the company. And that's kind of why I chose to choose them over other companies at the end of the day, because the company was so forthcoming and so active in you know, replying to people and showing that they were generally about changing, you know, the ethnic makeup of the industry as well. So, yeah, that was really love it. Yeah. good part of the application process. Love it, love it. And, let, and let's take a step back then and... I want to ask you why finance? So you, you seem to be very passionate about <laughs> finance space. That wasn't for me. I did economics. Um, I thought about it. I applied to some finance companies and I didn't make any progress because they could probably see it wasn't right for me and I didn't have that passion for it. So yeah, what is it about finance that you're uh, you're so interested in, I guess? 
I mean, it kind of started off when I was um, back in sixth form. So there was a thing at my school called the Monmouth Business Program, of something along those lines, where certain people got to go to London or see of London for them, just kind of have an insight there at various companies. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be able to go on this trip and then, you know, coming from a boarding school in rural Shropshire to this big, big London, and I was seeing all these tall skyscrapers and all these tall buildings. It was kind of piqued my interest. And um, I was able to tour, tour this really cool looking building. And I remember I was able to talk- It's just the buildings then. I was able to talk with one of the senior directors there actually. And um, that kind of kickstarted my interest in you know the financial services industry because it was a really cool place to work. They're really you know interpersonal. They didn't mind talking to students, even though they were really senior people in really senior roles. So that initially kind of sparked my interest. Um, and then from there, I also joined the enterprise where I had my own company with some of my friends in sixth form as well. And I was kind of exposed to not necessarily finance per se, but the world of being in a business um, and you know, kind of the client management side of things and the relationship side of things. And I, that really piqued my interest when I was a kid. So from there, I started to learn more about it. I started to go on you know, inside days. I went to a few bright network conferences as well in London, networking with different businesses and networking with different roles as well and various people who work in these organisations. And from there, like I said, I was just kind of learning a bit more about the type of industry I wanted to go, to go down. Um, because you know, there's very there's a very nuanced industry finance. It's not just finance. You've got asset management, investment banking, insurance, consulting, and more. So it's not just kind of finance per se, but the spectrum of what you can do within a financial company. Because um, even in energy, you've got you know M and A departments and energy companies as well. So it wasn't so much the industry, but the different nuances of it that I found quite interesting at the time. And then. You know, when you're meeting people and you're networking and you're learning about different companies and about their values and their culture, that's quite attractive, um, especially for someone who wants to kind of learn more and to potentially even move down there at one point in his life. So that's kind of the point where I started getting interested in financial services. Brilliant. Yeah. And you did obviously the Accenture um, Insight Day as well. Yes. And, and same with Google. <laughs> so I guess that's a good idea for anyone to, if they don't have much experience, Try and get onto these insight days. Yeah, is it similar into how you apply for an internship? You just got to go out of there and put in a good application and network if you can. I guess the bar is a little bit lower because you know it's an insight day rather than actual role. Yeah, I mean, the way the normal kind of progressing system goes when it comes to like applying for roles and grasping is you start off with an insight day, then the spring week, then a summer internship, then a graduate scheme. That's kind of how it goes. And it's always a good start when applying for a company to say that you've already been to an insight day there. So you've already shown initial interest in applying there. I mean, not everyone goes through that route, but that's the, the standard route if you're applying for an internship. So let's say you're working at an investment bank, you go for an insight day there, you build your networks on the insight day, you then apply for a spring week to get hands-on experience, then a summer, then potentially convert that summer to a grad. That's the, the okay. traditional way of doing it, but for someone who doesn't really like, like I said, finance is a very nuanced, you know, nuanced industry. There are different aspects of it. So I definitely say if you're just looking for, you know, to get into it and, and a bit of an insight into it, insight day is a really good way of doing so because you can learn about the different types of financial companies that are out there. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, let's let's switch gears slightly then and let's talk about the employers uh, a little bit then. So yeah, it sounds like you've obviously worked with some great organisations to. Yes. Kind of get access to opportunities networking opportunities which sounds brilliant what would you say to employers that are trying to better support 
underrepresented younger candidates you know in finance or any other sector what kind of things can they be doing um or or yeah what what kind of advice would you have on on them on how to better support and attract kind of um different talent that they're not used to kind of supporting and attracting I mean, a lot of companies go straight to source. So I know KPMG is very involved in um, university of, like university ACS committees. Um, you know, they give them sponsorship, they give them funding and they allow them to directly market their schemes to people who are part of these societies. So a good way to kind of show support is to kind of start earlier on and go straight to source. Um, and just kind of highlighting the various talents that are within your organization who are from different ethnic minorities really helps as well. It's always good to see people who look like you in, in higher positions within organizations. So that's a really good place to start um, initially. Like I said, I'm very fortunate enough to have secured a, a multitude of different roles um, throughout my you know, career so far. And I wouldn't say I've been disadvantaged in a sense. I feel like nowadays it's easier um, for someone. I think nowadays is the best time to be a black undergraduate in the UK right now. There are so many different schemes and organizations directly set up to kind of help you progress and to increase your network and to kind of help you build that social capital that a lot of people you know who, who are of other ethnic minorities get. So I feel like now there are so many opportunities. You just have to know where to look, I think, um, whether it's Diverse yourself or SEO London or Bright Network or Rare Recruitment or your career service or the various diversity and inclusion schemes there are. I mean, I've got three older brothers and these types of things weren't really there when they were in uni. So I look at it from like a holistic point where I'm, I'm seeing positive change um, that allows people, you know, who are young, who are interested in these organizations, organizations to kind of get a step up um, than the traditional sense. So I think that right now, especially, we're seeing a good shift. Um, and luckily, just knowing where to look really helps. Not everyone knows about these type of organizations or knows how to network in the right way. And these organizations are set up to kind of help bridge that gap. So I think, you know, being more involved with organizations like the ones I've just mentioned is a really great place to start because it kind of helps market, you know, not only demonstrate your commitment to diversity and inclusion or whatever, but also help market your schemes as well to different talent from different minorities. So that's kind of what I'd say. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think it's unfortunate that it took the events of last year to kind of lead us on to this point. But at least, you know, something positive has come out of it. And employers now are kind of much more focused and there's a there's a bigger spotlight on diversity and inclusion. So we are seeing, I think, differences. I think companies struggle because now they're kind of putting out a diversity statement, but you've got to back up with action exactly. because everyone's got a diversity statement now. And I think candidates look at these things and they want to see, okay, who is partnering with these organizations? Who is going the exactly. extra mile? Exactly. Who are giving me insights into what it's like to be there or showing their, you know, talented uh, people that are there already. So, um, yeah, I hope that this is going to lead to even more sort of change, which is, which is what we want to see. And if it leads to people like yourselves getting in at these organizations, you're going to get to the top and determine the future of the, these organizations as well. So exactly. that's what I'm excited about plan. personally. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. So, yeah, and I guess for obviously any employers that want to to work on that, we're obviously here as a platform. Similarly, for candidates, if you're looking for roles, then head over to WeAreDiverse.io and sign up to our, our network. But just before we sort of um, close out, I wanted to hear whether you any had any final words um, for the audience, for any words of encouragement, obviously very challenging time as it always is with these competitive roles. So yeah. anyone who's going through lots of rejections, what would you say to them? 
Um, I mean, there are a few points I would recommend. Um, I got my first kind of big break from an organisation that wasn't even that wasn't based in London. So the first bit of um, advice I give is don't always look to London as the be all and end all. There are loads of schemes all over the UK, whether it's in Birmingham, Leicester, Manchester, Leeds, Newcastle, um, anywhere in the UK, and a lot of people um, like to you know, do themselves a disservice by only focusing on one city. But if they, you know, kind of broaden their search a bit to other cities in the UK, they'd really benefit from those experiences that can lead to other opportunities in the future. I mean, I wouldn't have really got my role if it wasn't for the fact that I did an internship in, you know, in Leicester of all places. So definitely you know, broaden your search to other cities that are you know, providing schemes and insights. Um, if you're new to the application game, you don't always have to go for the big fish first. Um, there are loads of startups that are employing loads of different people for roles as well. So definitely have a look into you know, various new startups that are happening and it may not be paid, but it'll give you that exposure to different companies and will give your CV a bit more weight. I'd say learn to adapt with the applications. I mean, I went through, like I said, over 120 rejections before I landed my big role. And as I was getting rejected, I was always increasing or, you know, boosting my CV in some way, shape or form, whether it was rewriting it, getting it peer reviewed, practicing a cover letter, knowing how to network in the right way. Um, I think that was a big one, knowing how to network in the right way, because a lot of people will add you on LinkedIn, but they will leave it at that. You know, know how to network in the right way. We're actually building you know, valuable connections that can help you in the future and vice versa as well. Um, definitely do that. Um, don't get discouraged with, with um, rejections as well. Learn to adapt, like I said before. Everyone gets rejected as part of the process, but knowing how to adapt, not you know, get not get discouraged and turn into something positive. Whether that's asking for uh, you know, feedback or adapting your CV for another company, that type of thing, that can really help as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Really. Those are the big takeaways I'd say. You know. Um, like I said, the biggest one I'd say out of all of that is broaden your search to other cities other than London. The UK is a big place. There are schemes all over the place. And you find with schemes like in Birmingham or in Manchester, they're less competitive because they haven't got that many applicants applying for them. And there's a real opportunity, opportunity there to get a big role in a big company in a smaller office. And yeah, that's why I'd probably say is the best advice yeah. right now. <laughs> I think that's terrific advice. I hear so often, you know, I'm only looking for jobs in London. You've got to broaden, broaden your, your kind of uh, sphere and look elsewhere as well. Be open-minded, especially at this sort of early career level. You can always, you know, move around and go to different organisations. So I think that's great advice. I think you've done a great job here, uh, Tim. And congrats on landing your jobs as well. And I really do appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing your advice. It's been really cool. No worries at all. Thanks a lot for your time, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> No worries, no worries. And uh, obviously we'll put this out on YouTube as we always do, but also uh, on the podcast uh, streams as well. So Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want any of those resources we're talking about, so CV, uh, how to network, then head over to wearediverse.io and sign up and get all those great resources. Also do look at the other organizations that Tim mentioned. So uh, SEO uh, London especially really helped them out in getting a role in the finance space. So do check them out as well. But yeah, Tim, thanks so much for, for doing this and good luck in your in your upcoming roles. No worries, man. Take thanks care. So cool.